Hey, parents, if you are starting to think about what kind of special things you would like to do this Christmas season to be a blessing to others and, in a sense, give a gift to Jesus, let me recommend for you hopegivers.com or hopegivers.org. I think it'll get you to the same place. I'm actually going to be traveling to India with Hope Givers this Christmas, handing out things called Hope Chest. And this is a special uh, package that's going to go to a couple thousand different children that's going to provide for them clothes, shoes, blankets, scarves, sweaters, school supplies, uh, a Bible, um, some hygiene products, a special Christmas meal, and a Christmas carnival. Uh, It's a really special way that you and your family can get involved and help those who are really the least of these on earth to enjoy the hands and feet of Jesus, the the love of Jesus, and to really be able to celebrate his coming and birth. Uh, The Hope Chester, about $50 a uh, a chest at fifty dollars a pack, and this is one of those where you actually you donate the funds. You don't you don't collect stuff for them because it's certainly a lot cheaper to send the money to India and buy the stuff in India than it is to try to fill it. Again, if you're interested, you can talk to me, uh, email me questions, jay at covenantfellowship.com or just go to hopegivers.com, hopegivers.org, and you can subscribe right there. You can sign up right there for how to give hope chest. Uh, as a special gift to Jesus this Christmas season. And thanks for joining us on Let's Parent on Purpose today. This is going to be your parenting podcast. If you want to thrive and not just survive the parenting years, I'm Jay Holland. I've been a parent for a while, been a youth pastor for longer, been a foster parent for some of those. Uh, Let's figure out how to be the best parents we possibly can. All right, this is really part two of an episode uh, or a special. I began talking about the Love Bank. You can check out Let's Parent on Purpose or LPOP 42. Um, which introduces the concept of the love bank and especially talks about how in your marriage relationship you can apply these principles. But I promise to give some thought on the love bank with your kids uh, today. So um, let me review really quickly. The, the premise of, of the love bank is that with every person that you're involved with and interact with, you develop some sense of like a love tank or a love bank where every interaction you're having uh, either positive deposits into that bank or it's requiring a withdrawal. It's requiring emotional energy from you, affection from you. And, uh, you know, basically over time, over a long period of time, you kind of tell the people that you like to be around, the people that you enjoy being around, are those where the interactions have been much more positive. Um, It just kind of makes sense that those who the interactions are more negative with are not going to have such a good account with you. Now, when we talk about it in the parenting aspect, I think it's good to maybe give a a couple caveats at the beginning. Uh, First off, this is, it's it's an analogy, it's a concept, and and there's some limited word use here, because I know we all love our kids 100%, unconditional, all the time, right? We are just like Jesus, full of agape love, no matter what they do, or at least we would like to say that. Um, and, And clearly the biblical ideal is agape love. It's unconditional love. It's Romans 5, that God demonstrates his love towards us while we're sinners. Christ dies for us. This is the highest ideal of biblical love. Um, It's self-sacrificing and unconditional, and we're called to demonstrate that, uh, especially in our household. But the truth is, 
as far as affection goes, uh, as far as even fondness sometimes, like it or not, that's very dependent on on our relationship with the child, on their levels of obedience, their level of, of um, how much effort does it take. If, if you're in a case where somebody has chronic challenges, chronic sickness, chronic issues, um, you, you fully love them. And I think that's demonstrated a lot of times by how much effort and sacrifice you put towards that relationship. But but your love paint can go low. Your love tank can can kind of feel on empty there. Uh, and so, you know, it just kind of in the same way, I think one of those like uh, that statement, I, I love all my kids equally. I, I just don't think that's true. I think I love all my kids different because all of my kids are different. So I never, I tell them I, I fully love every one of you. I am out for all of your best. I would give my life for you, and I am giving my life for you. Um, but I love you all differently because all of our relationships are different. All of our relationships are unique. So I love you in the special way that God's made us together. Um, but I know that Christ calls me to love everybody, and I want to be like Jesus. But my love's not as patient as Jesus's love. My love's not as kind as his, and it's not as steady. And my kids' love for me... Well, they fully, I think they fully do love me, but, you know, their patience isn't Jesus' patience. Their kindness and their steadiness is not the same. And it also can very much depend on um, situations and circumstances. So like it or not, you have a love bank with each of your kids. Uh, you know, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 6, I mean, uh, 1 through 4, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that uh, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land. Um, that's the commandment for their ki- for the kids to obey their parents and honor their fathers and mothers. Uh, and then it goes on Ephesians six four, fathers do not exasperate your children. Um, mothers aren't mentioned there, but I think moms. I don't think you get a total free pass. I think you're also not supposed to exasperate your kids. Uh, maybe. Maybe fathers are just more prone to. Um, we definitely need more instruction. But, but you know, for, for me to not exasperate my kids, that's a lot easier to do when my kids aren't exasperating. Uh, and for my kids to obey me and to honor me is a lot easier for them if the relationship's going smooth. So, um, you know, affection... And, and quality time together, they just tend to be the grease on the wheels of the of, or the gears of the machine of your family relationships. So I just want to give you a, a few different um, thoughts or tips on how to help increase the deposits of the love bank between you and your kids, because things will just go better if, if you have that affection built up for them. Um, so first off, just pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. That's it seems obvious, but I want to give you some particulars to pray about. Uh, one of the things that I've done is I've, I've come up with a handful of specific prayers for my kids, depending on who they are. And I don't pray for everyone every day, but I kind of scroll through them and pray. And one of the great things is that some of these prayers have, have taken place. They've happened. There have been chronic situations where like uh, friendships or fear or anxiety. And I pray specifically for those things. And then at some point I'm scrolling through that list and I see that those prayers have been answered. And, and it's a huge encouragement to me to then thank God 
for his intervention, to see that God is actually involved in, in answering these things. The other part of, of praying for your kids is I want to encourage you to be very intentional and specific to pray prayers of thankfulness for your kid. Pray and thank God for specific traits, for the way they're wired, for the way they're made, for the way that they've done things. Um, because I, I think the truth is if you spend time praising your kids to God and thanking God for your kids, it'll be a lot easier for you to praise your kids. Um, speaking of praising your kids, I would suggest that at a minimum, you aim for something like a five to one ratio of praise to correction. And and I'm making that number up, but I, I mean, you might aim for seven to one or 10 to one. Definitely don't go below three to one. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, your kids have a lot of issues, right? At least my kids have a lot of issues. Maybe your kids don't have many, but you're still going to have to correct your kids. And what we realize is that correction, especially the older we get, I think, um, especially especially the more complex our, our psychology is and the more developed our brain is, uh, correction has a, a heavier weight to it then praise has a lift to it, if, if that makes any sense. Think about it this way. If, if in your marriage or in your work, what if there was a one-to-one ratio of compliment to you and correction on what you did? So, hey, thank you for doing this right, and then you do this wrong. Uh, but you did this right. You did this wrong. Like you would feel weighed down pretty quickly. And and a lot of times what happens in, in parenting relationships is things that they do right, we just, I mean, you don't address them because they're done right. Why would I bother to address that? Because it's done right. Unless it's something exceptional and then I might compliment them. But, but they're supposed to do right. So why would I praise that? Well, the reason is you want to encourage your kids. You want your kids to realize that you are for them and that you're proud of them um, because you have so many things you have to correct. Your house is not the military. I remember being in the military and they screamed at us for everything that we did wrong, especially like in basic training, and uh, sarcastically kind of complimented us when we finally got something right. Um, and, you know, that might work well for a short period of time for a bunch of 18-year-old men and women, but it does not work well for your little kids. So if you're aiming for like a 5 to 1 or a 7 to 1 ratio of praise to correction, um, this doesn't mean that if, let's say it's, uh, let's say you're saying, honey, you need to clean your room, but I want to affirm that you do this and I want to affirm that you do this and this and this is number five. Uh, no, I don't mean like that. I don't mean that you have to like um, couch every correction in a praise sandwich. A five to one ratio or a seven to one ratio, what that means is as you go throughout your day, you are intentionally looking for things to praise your kids about, to affirm in them. Um, I have a dog. And I don't really want a dog, but I have a dog. And what I have learned over time in dog training is the best dog trainers affirm right decisions. Uh, they train their dog to sit, not by spanking them when they're not sitting, 
but by affirming and giving a little treat uh, when they sit, where the dog wants to do well. The dog wants to do what's what's in its best interest because there's a reward with it. Um, and so praise is the easiest reward in the world. Um, so my suggestion is... Um, when it comes to this, uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to um, ignore junk behavior. You can't correct everything all the time, so you're going to have to kind of pick and choose. Um, and what you may do is you may pick easy things for them to correct, uh, so that there can be a quick win because then you can affirm and praise them when they're they're doing better. Or you're going to have to address the ones that are actually harmful, long term harmful, where there's an immediate consequence and crisis if, if they don't address this. There's a bunch of stuff in between there that, that you just may need to pick and choose along the way. You know, your kid starts dressing sloppy. Well, if they're in dress code and they're not super immodest, then maybe let them be sloppy for a little bit and maybe it'll just self-correct. That's the thing. If, if you don't address everything all the time, there's, there's a chance for it to self-correct. Um, so my suggestion is pick easy wins when it comes to, to the things you correct or pick really crisis harmful things. Everything else, just kind of give it time and you're going to have to address it, but everything doesn't have to be addressed all the time. Um, since everybody's kids in a different spot, I can't really go into junk behavior too much right here, but junk behavior, um, look it up and, and look up what the examples are of junk behavior for different age groups because there's a lot of things that kids do that are really annoying to, to us, but we probably did them too, and, and some of them you just kind of grow out of. Uh, another way to help the deposit in the love bank of your kid is to own up to your own errors. If, if uh, you play the role of Mr. and Mrs. Perfect all the time, like if you pretend that you can do no wrong or when you do wrong, you lash out at them and bring up all their errors, you are conditioning them to do the exact same thing. You are conditioning them to not admit fault. You're conditioning them that there's a very high cost to owning up to your errors. And so you're conditioning them to not be truthful. You're trapping your kids. The best way to teach them to take responsibility and own up to their errors is for you and I to do the same thing. So own your errors, and if you humble yourself uh, and apologize when you can to them and even let them in on errors that you've made in other areas of your life, talk about your work life, talk about your childhood and you know regrets you have and mistakes you make even when they're not necessarily connected to what they're going through right then so it doesn't feel like a lecture. Own up your errors, and you will increase your love bank for one another. Uh, the next, do things together. Um, if, if you've kind of got to the point in your kid's life where you're just the taxi taking them from place to place, um, you're resentful, and they're not appreciative. So you need to figure out some things that you actually like doing together and put it on the schedule. This is so easy when the kids are little because they love mommy dates and they love daddy dates. If you can stay consistent with it, it turns out that most teenagers actually like it as well. Um, if, if you don't know what to do, then maybe sit down with them and say, hey, I'd just like to figure out some things we'd like to do together. Let's brainstorm a list. I'll write down a bunch of things I like to do. You write down a bunch of things you like to do. Let's figure out a couple of them that we both like to do, and then let's make some time to do it together. Um, you you want to have meaningful talks along the way, but sometimes it's just building positive experience. Not every interaction is going to change the world, even if you've put a lot of thought into the experience. 
Um, I, I, I've talked about ignoring junk behavior, but I do just want to stress that. Don't worry about correcting everything because you will take withdrawal after withdrawal from their love bank. And also, it's kind of a tremendous drain on your own to correct everything. So not that you let everything slide, but just try to have some wisdom. Um, try to have some patience. Try to think through what things might work themselves out on their own in, if I don't correct it um, and what things really are going to need intervention. Uh, and then finally, uh, this may be counterintuitive because if, if a kid has gotten into a lot of trouble, sometimes you can be so frustrated, or if a kid is chronically in trouble, sometimes you can be so frustrated that the last thing you want to do is be around them. But I think the more exasperated you are with your kid and the less you want to see them, these are the times that it's most critical to make extra effort to plan a positive experience with them. Um, if, if you're having to chastise all the time, you're both starting to dread the relationship. So, look, if they've super blown it or if they've gone through a season of really grinding you down and wearing you down, that's the I think that's the critical time to really step in and try to give some kind of positive experience together, not just something that you do for them, but something you do with them to where you can kind of build that time. And it might be it might be rough, it might be awkward. Um, but again, just like with everything with parenting, don't expect one time to change the world on anything. Um, you tell them one time, good. Now you only have 999 more times to go before it remotely kicks in. You did one special thing with them, wonderful. You get to do it again and again and again. So, you know, put effort into it, put thought into it, but don't think that just because you did it this time, it's going to change everything forever. Um, hey, hopefully this stuff helps you in... in Again, because our kids are at so many different stages of life, I didn't go into a ton of particulars. Um, if, if you know me and you, and you have questions, let's bounce ideas back and forth. Also, I would just encourage you, uh, send me emails, send me suggestions on ways that you have had real positive love bank uh, deposits with your kids. Because uh, I do think this is a very important concept with your spouse, with your kids, and really with anybody that's significant in your life. Check your love bank. Make sure that you are keeping healthy accounts, and when you see that there's a continual drain, now is the time to address it before bankruptcy. Hey, I'm really glad you joined us today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your feedback. I'm getting some great topic questions from you guys. Uh, if you have any, please send them to jay at covenantfellowship.com, or you can even leave a comment on one of the blogs at letsparentonpurpose.com. Uh, hey, go there and check out the other blogs, uh, past articles. Share it with friends. If you think it's helpful, share it, because it'll probably be helpful for somebody else. Uh, this is a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. Check us out at covenantfellowship.com. And again, this is Jay Holland thanking you so much for joining us, reminding you this is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't get weary. Don't give up. We'll talk to you soon.